Dear friends in Christ, welcome to this podcast from All Saints Episcopal Church in Portland. All Saints is a loving, welcoming parish serving Southeast Portland for over a century. Our purpose is to celebrate God's love, seek and serve Christ in all persons, and go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Today, we invite you to join the Reverend Deacon Maureen Hagen as she preaches the gospel and explores the mysteries of God in our modern world. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Greetings, beloved people of God. It is so good to be here with you today. Today, I invite you to begin a discussion on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a part of the resurrected body of Christ. I would like to begin by sharing a quote from Clarence Johnson, a farmer and New Testament scholar who was instrumental in the birth of Habitat for Humanity. The proof that God raised Jesus from the dead is not the empty tomb, but the full hearts of his transformed disciples. The crowning evidence that he lives is not a vacant grave, but a spirit-filled fellowship. Not a rolled-away stone, but a carried-away church. So this is not a small discussion, but we need to begin somewhere. I was delighted when I learned that All Saints now uses godly play. While a much-loved curriculum for children, I've used godly play with all ages. In godly play, we spend a lot of time focusing on the six seasons of the church year. We learn that Easter is such a deep mystery that we set apart 50 days to witness its unfolding. Easter begins with the discovery of the empty tomb. Jesus appears to Mary of Magdala and commissions her as the first apostle, charged with taking the good news to others. Like many truth-tellers, Mary finds her testimony disbelieved. Instead, the disciples cower behind locked doors, worried that the temple authorities will come for them. Self-preservation trumps mission. How often do we feel, how often do we let fear or inertia stand in the way of action? That first evening, Jesus enters the room saying, Peace be with you. Imagine the calming effects of these words. Jesus then reveals the purpose of his visit. He is sending them out into the world. As Jesus commissions the apostles, he empowers them through the Spirit of God, the Ruach, who has been present since creation. The disciples may have denied Jesus before the crucifixion and barricaded themselves afterwards, 
Yet their encounter with the risen Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit emboldened them to carry out God's mission. First to the Jews, then to the God-fearers, and eventually to all the nations of the earth. The Spirit makes mission possible. The Spirit makes mission imperative. Over time, as the Spirit transforms the disciples, it also empowers them to shake off the fear that is paralyzing them, to tell others about the Messiah, to face discomfort and death unafraid. With time, they come to trust that the Lord is ever before them and that God will see them through their various trials. Jesus had spoken truth to power throughout his ministry. Only upon his death and resurrection were others able to do the same. Often at such a cost that the Greek word for witness, martis, became associated with those killed on behalf of a belief. We truly were a missional church in those early years. Against all odds, the church grew, despite persecution, despite hardships. It looks like our earliest leaders had a clear understanding of what it meant to be the ecclesia, the gathered together ones, the church. Then in the fourth century, Christianity became the state religion. Gone were the times of two to three years of preparation for baptism. The church no longer grew through conversion and formation, but by state edict. When the church no longer saw itself outside the state, we somehow lost something important. We found it easier to worship a set-apart Savior than to follow Jesus. Throughout the millennia, some did not forget. They knew that following Jesus often came with a cost. They recognized that speaking truth to power sometimes meant confronting the church itself. Martin Luther King blasted the liberal churches for their complacency in the face of oppression. His vision of the promised land gave him the courage to proclaim the gospel's liberating message, a message we too seldom hear or heed. Dietrich Bonhoeffer refused to compromise the gospel by conforming to the dictates the Nazi regime placed on churches. Imprisoned, he continued to write and give others hope, a hope he retained until his execution within days of the war's end. El Salvador's Archbishop Oscar Romero defied the church hierarchy that had sold out the gospel so that they could enjoy economic and political privilege. He was murdered as he celebrated Mass. These men understood the high cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus. As we journey through Easter, we might find ways to break free from our upper room. Where have we found the exercise of our faith challenging? 
a source of conflict with friends and family? Have we kept our Sundays separate from the rest of the week? This past month, some of us here have been reading The Dream of God by lay theologian Verna Dozier. A fierce advocate of lay empowerment, she calls into question the entire direction of the institutional church. Here are some salient points she makes. The church missed its high calling to be the new thing in the world when it decided to worship Jesus instead of follow him. She also writes, the call to ministry is the call to be a citizen of the kingdom of God in a new way. The daring, free, accepting, compassionate view Jesus modeled. It means being bound by no yesterday, fearing no tomorrow, drawing no lines between friend and foe, the acceptable ones and the outcasts. Ministry is commitment to the dream of God. Let's hear this again. Ministry is commitment to the dream of God. We are each called to live into that dream, to live fully into the way of love, to use Michael Curry's term. And finally, Ms. Dozier writes, the urgent task for us today is to reclaim our identity as the people of God and live into our high calling as the baptized community. We are a chosen people, chosen for God's high purposes, that the dream of God for a new creation may be realized. God has paid us the high compliment of calling us to be co-workers with our creator, a compliment so awesome that we have fled from it and taken refuge in the church. God does not need such an institution. The institution is replaceable. The living body of God's people is not. Throughout Jesus' ministry, and especially during the final weeks of his life, we see how often he talked to his disciples about the necessity of living out lives of service and witness. Imagine how different our churches might be if we substituted the Nicene Creed with the baptismal covenant. If we focused not only on the nature of the Trinity, but on how we were to live out our call of practice, repentance, witness, service, and justice. Are we faithful followers of Jesus? Do we leave the safety and security of our upper room to engage a world that has different values? Have we retained a sense of missionary zeal? Or have we become a maintenance church? Many of us consume church. As Verna Dozier points out, many see church as a dispenser of religious goods and services a place that worships Jesus instead of following him. Many speak of going to church to be fed, to be comforted, to have our needs met. Confined to one hour on Sunday, church becomes separate from the rest of our lives. How different is this from the church we see 
in the Acts of the Apostles. There we encounter a missional church. A missional church is a body of people sent out into the world who gather in community for worship, community encouragement, and teaching from the word, who come together to equip themselves to be strong disciples through the week. In the consuming model, we go to church. In the missional model, we are the church. Increasingly, many people have found dissatisfaction with the consuming model of church and would like to regain a sense of mission. I know that is important to me. So I invite all of us to consider ways that we at All Saints can join Christ's mission in the world. We might begin by naming our deep dreams for the church. A few years ago at General Convention, we were invited to fill in the sentence, I dream of a church where... Person after person came forward and named a personal dream. Some dreamt that the church would be a place where all were welcome at the table. Others saw church as a place that engaged those on the margins. Still others wanted the church to be bold in witnessing God's love in the world. I wonder what your dreams are, what they might be. Where have you been called to help bring about the healing to this world? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast offering from All Saints Episcopal Church in Portland. For more resources from All Saints, or to support this or our many other outreach ministries, please visit allsaintspdx.org.